the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Malcolm Gladwell is one of my favorite authors, and I've really enjoyed reading his two books, Tipping Point and Blink. And I was very happy when the third book came out, and that's called Outlier. And the introductory story is just amazing. It's about this little town in Pennsylvania called Rosetta. And what happened to create this little town was that there was a town in Italy called Rosetta. And it was a tough town for people to live because it was full of rocks and people struggled and they were, they were making a living through a marble quarry, but they couldn't farm very well and it was just, life was very, very hard. So in the 1800s, they heard about this wonderful country across the ocean and so some of the people from the town decided to emigrate. So 12 people came over some men and boys, and they landed in Manhattan, and they heard about a slate quarry in Pennsylvania, so they went to Pennsylvania and started to work in the slate quarry and created a new town. Well, life was much better, actually, for them there, and more people emigrated every year. One year, in 1892, they had 1,200 people emigrating from the town over to Pennsylvania. And soon they were building their nice stone houses and they were working in the quarries and then this priest came and they built the church, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and they created this, this incredible village and the priest was giving out seeds and encouraging people to plant gardens. And they were planting gardens and fruit trees and things were starting to grow and the town prospered. But it was a pretty insular town so even Years after people emigrated from Italy, most people just spoke Italian. They kind of kept it themselves. And life went on in this little town in Pennsylvania. Well, there was a doctor, bless you. There was a doctor in Oklahoma who came, and he would summer in Pennsylvania. And he got asked to speak at a medical conference in Pennsylvania, and he did. And so he was speaking, and another uh, doctor, a local doctor, said, you know, have a beer with me after this conference. I have something I thought to share with you. And so Dr. Wolf had a beer with the local doctor, and the local doctor proceeded to tell him about the town of Rosetta. He said, it's amazing to me, but the people who live there, nobody has heart disease under 65. This was in the 1950s, and of course, in the 1950s, there were people who had heart disease much younger than 65. And he said, I don't see any of the normal ailments that you would normally see in a population, and I just don't get it. So Dr. Wolf went to the town of Rosetto and asked permission, and he studied the people. And they didn't have heart disease. There was no alcoholism, no drug addiction, no suicide, no ulcers. People were seemingly happy and healthy. And so he wanted to know what it was about this town that was creating this wonderful pattern of health. So first thing, he thought, well, they must eat differently than most Americans. And so he looked at their diet. Their diet was just as bad as every other American. 41% of their calories came from fat. When they got to this country, they quit cooking with olive oil and were cooking with lard. They had pigs in their backyard. It was definitely not their lifestyle. They were smoking and they were eating really fatty foods, and a lot of them were dealing with weight issues. But even with all of that, their heart attack rates were just so much lower than the average town. So then he thought, okay, next 
thing. It's got to be the DNA. These people just have good DNA. So they went and they studied other people from the same section of Italy who were living in other towns in the United States and found out that those people were having the normal health problems that the rest of America had. So it wasn't the food and it wasn't the DNA. So then they thought, well, maybe it's where they live. Maybe it's the town, the, ge the geography. So they went to the two towns that were neighboring very, very close. Bangor, Pennsylvania, and another town. And those people had three times the heart attack rate as the people in Rosetta. They could not figure it out. So finally, they went and observed the people in the town. What they realized about the people in the town is that they lived in this wonderful sense of community. That the older people were respected, the younger children were loved, that people helped one another. Nobody was on welfare. If somebody was struggling, the, the rest of the community would pitch in and help them. And that everyone felt this wonderful sense of community that was centered around this little church where they would go and worship and feel a sense of peace and calmness. And the only conclusion that the sociologists and the medical doctors could come to was that the reason people were living longer with less health problems was because of the community that they had created in this little town. And at the end of his introduction, Malcolm Gladwell says, the world, the values of the world we inhabit and the people we surround ourselves with profoundly affect who we become. The values of the world we inhabit and the people we surround ourselves with profoundly affect who we become. And it was this incredible sense of community that had affected all of these people in this town. It's difficult for us today to find that kind of community because we are not living in an insular town. We, it's, not, it's not typical to have three generations of families still together. I mean, with the five children that we have, they all live in a different state. So how do we have that sense of community today in the world that we live in, the fast-paced world where we can go from here overseas in, in six hours? We have to intentionally pick a community. We have to intentionally place ourselves in a community that will help us and help form our children. And for us, that community is the church. But it's a difficult community for a lot of people. As we heard in the scripture, it's probably one of the oddest scriptures. Jesus says, eat me and I'll give you eternal life. Anybody want to help me with that? <laughs> want to come up and execute? It's just weird. But I think what, where Jesus is coming from is that he's saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and abide in me. And this sounded just as strange to the people he said it to as it does to us today. And they struggled with, what does that mean? Well, in the community back in the time of Christ, there was certainly a hierarchy of people. There were the slaves, there were the workers, there were the king, and, and people who thought people were divine, it was normally the king, it was the emperor. 
that, uh, that somebody who was claiming to be the Son of God to abide in you just made no sense. And so our communities have been based on hierarchies of power and position. And we still have that today. It's power and position, power based on money, power based on knowledge. And that what we don't have is this sense of egalitarian living that these people in Rosetto have, where everybody was a valued child of God, a beloved child of God. And what Jesus was asking the disciples to believe is that we all are valued. We are all valued equally. We are all beloved children of God. And that the community he was creating was a community of love where everyone is valued equally. And that, that the, the doctrine of God in the Gospel of John is about the divine dwelling in community. The doctrine of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John is about the divine expressing itself in this human we call Jesus of Nazareth. That the love of God was expressed as perfectly as it can be expressed in any human in this man we call Jesus. That every story about Jesus is Jesus reaching out to the people who were not equal, to the people who were outcasts, to the people who were powerless, to the people who had no voice. And he treated them as equals to the horror of the society and culture around him. When he talked to the Samaritan woman, that was against what the culture was saying. Do not talk to foreigners. Do not talk to women. So a community that's centered around Christ believes in the value that we are all beloved children of God. And we treat each other as beloved children of God. And this profoundly affects who we come to know ourselves, who we come to believe in ourselves. Can you imagine as a child growing up in that environment? We try to do that here. No human institution is perfect. We can't exist totally without conflict. It's how we handle the conflict that becomes important. But the core values of loving one another as beloved children of God needs to permeate the church, needs to permeate the community. This has to be the community that gives that because it's not given in the world. People lose their jobs, there's not a lot of loyalty. It's a tough world. We look at last week where Afghanistan had their vote, and I look at that country and my heart aches for them, where if you voted in a democratic election, which we all take for granted, you could be killed. And I look at the young girls in that country and think, will they get an education? We have many more advantages here, but it's still important for us to raise our children in that sense of being beloved children of God. Two weeks ago, Arjun came up with his little picture from nursery school. And the church was in the midst of doing something, but everybody stopped when he walked in the church with his picture held up. And everybody clapped in the church. And then our retired bishop got up and turned him around so the other side of the church could see his picture, and everyone clapped on that side of the church. Can you imagine for that child how wonderful that would be to be accepted by a community of adults showing him this sense of love and affection. 
when they come up to the rail where we, as a community centered around Christ, actually eat the bread and the wine, to remind ourselves that the divine love of God does dwell in us, and that we are charged to see it in others, as we'll hear in our baptismal promise, will you see the face of Christ in all people, no exception, all people. As we come to communion and, and we, we abide with Christ, then we are filled with that love, and then we can see the love in all people. And as the children come up, and I tell them, God loves you very much, and they look at me seriously, and they nod their head, because I know that between being in this community and hearing that value, it will profoundly affect who they become. Amen. Amen.